What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed show for you here on this seventh day of October, the year 2020. Got a good show for you today. Uh, recap everything that's gone on. Week four of the National Football League, including my Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow getting their first win of the season, and in Joe Burrow's case, his first win of his young and soon-to-be prosperous NFL career. I'll touch on uh, the American League and National League Division Playoff Series that's been going on the last couple of days. And, of course, the Lakers are one win away from crowning themselves as 2020 NBA champions. I am outside right now if you hear wind blowing because it is a gorgeous day outside. The wind blowing is kind of pissing me off, but... I got nowhere else I can record right now. Busy, busy inside the house, and and I'm not exactly, uh, you know, I don't exactly. I'm making a Chris Russo money, where I can build myself a little uh, broadcast studio. So, if you hear any wind in the background, I apologize. I'm gonna try to get as close to the microphone as possible and enunciate and talk as loud and bold as I can to cover up the wind as I say that the wind starts dying down um let's begin with Tom Brady Tom Brady oh boy I tell you for a man that's what 43 years of age he he just he just does not go away when you think he's down for the count and when you think that oh that's it he was washed up he's this he's that whatever he he always finds a way to come right back to bite you in the ass. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Los Angeles Chargers 38-31. Tom Brady was 30 for 46, threw for 369 passing yards and five touchdowns, threw a pick six in the game, which is why everyone was like, oh boy, here we go, Tom Brady throwing another pick six. And then lo and behold, he leads, lo and behold, he leads a, not one of his more historical comebacks, of course, but with 28-3, and Tom Brady's led a lot more uh, significant comebacks than coming back to beat charges, you know, in, in front of uh, a scarce crowd at Raymond James Stadium in uh, week four of the young football season. But I tell you, Tom Brady just continues to work his magic. Um, Ronald Jones on the ground had 20 carries for 111 rushing yards, and Mike Evans, who we weren't even, well, we weren't even sure if he was going to play or not, and he had seven receptions for 122 yards receiving and a touchdown pass. I mean, what a phenomenal, what a phenomenal performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, this team was, this team was what they, the Chargers had a 24, had a 24 to 14 lead, and then Tom Brady comes back and outscores the Chargers, uh, 24 to seven in the second half, uh, coming back from a 24 to, coming back from a 24 to 14 deficit. And leads the Chargers all the way back to win 38-31. It's Tom Brady. You know he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's he's made his living and he's made his mark as you know in the NFL history books for doing what he did. And that's uh, when his and that's when his teams are down for the count, and uh, and it appears that all hope is lost and that it's over. He comes back. And he brings his team up from the dead and out of the clear blue sky. Tom Brady works his magic and the Buccaneers come on back to win that football game. Tampa Bay improves with 3-1 in the NFC South and currently in first, and I believe currently in first, and I believe currently in first place um, in the NFC South. Um, the, uh, the, um, the Saints beat the Lions. Um, on Sunday, I'll get to the Lions aspect in a minute, but um, let's first of all, let's take a look at the NFC South while I have it. Um, the NFC South consists of Tampa Bay in first at three and one, Saints and Saints and Panthers tied for second at two and two, Falcons over four. So there you go. So, uh, it, but it, but if it has to come down to a tiebreaker, at least as of right now. Uh, the uh, the Bucks won't get it because they lost to the Saints back in Week One in the Superdome. But uh, but Tom Brady works his magic, does what he does. Justin Herbert, I tell you, and if you are listen, as far as the Chargers quarterback scenario is concerned, 
you would have to, if you are Anthony Lynn, you have to look at it from a standpoint of, you know, no one should lose their job, essentially, because he got punctured because the team doctor screwed, you know, screwed him over and screwed him up, you know, puncturing his lungs to the point he had to get rushed to the hospital. So I would, so I would, here's what I would do if I was Anthony Lynn. I'd, I'd sit both of them down and be like, look, Herbert has put has put us in, has has uh, put us in better chances to win than Taylor has, but but just because Herbert appears right now as the better quarterback, Herbert or excuse me Taylor should not lose his job because of an injury or a freak accident like that. You know it, it was it was impromptu, it was sudden. You know no one no one saw it coming, but I would rather. But if I am Anthony Lynn. I'm saying I'm going to both of them and be like, look, competition, who gets the starting job? Competition, who gets the starting job? Comp- we compete in practice, run with the first team, run with the second team. You know, we, I'll start I'll start Herbert this game. If Herbert proves that he can stay with it, he finishes the rest of the game. If he doesn't, put in uh, Tyrod Taylor and vice versa. But Herbert played really well, 20 for 25, 290 passing yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, so Herbert, Herbert has played well, has played well for the Chargers to deserve that starting job. But in the same breath and at the same time, Tyrod Taylor does not deserve to lose his job because of that freak, because of a freak accident of him getting punctured in his lung because the t- because this, uh, the the uh, L.A. Chargers team doctor screwed him over. So that'll be a very interesting scenario as far as the uh, Los Angeles Chargers quarterback uh, position is concerned. Second thing, uh, Russell Wilson just keeps on cooking. Uh, Russell Wilson, and that defense is absolutely atrocious. It is mind-bogglingly bad. I mean, my brother was actually kicking and screaming and thought that the Dolph, that his, that his uh, mighty Seahawks were going to lose to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Seahawks won 38, or excuse me, 31-23. In case you didn't know the score, Russell Wilson 24 for 34, 360 passing yards, two touchdowns uh, in the ball game. Uh, Chris Carson ran for 80 yards rushing on 16 carries. DK Metcalf, who is one hell of a receiver, but you got to admit having Russell Wilson as your quarterback makes you look exceptional. He had four receptions for 106 yards in the game. Uh, David Moore, David Moore, and. Travis Homer, Travis Homer caught the only two touchdown receptions in the game for Seattle as the Seahawks stay undefeated at 4-0 and improve their record to uh, to 4-0 and win the game 31-23. Russell Wilson, I told I said the same thing last week. I said the same thing with Perna when we had Brandon Perna of That's Good Sports Union. If you haven't already checked that episode out, but I said it to him. And I said it to you all last week. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers makes a case too. But the but the thing is, is that Aaron Rodgers, you know, he doesn't have much to work with. Granted, neither does Russell Wilson. But Aaron Rod, but the Packers have to prove that they can. That the, the Packers have to prove that they can that they can dominate big time competition. I mean, if you look, and I was going to save the Packers for the last. Uh, for the last segment of, or excuse me, the last little bulletin of the segment. But look at who the Packers have look at who the Packers have played so far. Uh, not again, Aaron Rodgers, great, all time great. This definitely deserves MVP considerations along with Russell Wilson. But you know the Vikings who stink, the Lions can't get out of their own way. You know. Their win against the Saints would be more significant if Michael Thomas was there and that Saints team was very, you know, muck and mire on that Sunday night. You know, the the real test is this Sunday against the Bucks. You beat the Bucks, you beat the Bucks, and then you um they got an easy schedule this season, boy, I tell you. Uh, their hard, their hardest game, their hardest game of the season is their hardest game and their true test this season. Or is uh, is on the 18th against uh, against the uh, against the Buccaneers. That's that's their hardest test. In Tampa against the Bucks is the Packers' hardest Bye-bye. test of the season. As my sister uh, waves by as she goes to go get her hair done, she turns 
fifteen next Monday, but I digress. Uh, but at, but the Packers, their biggest test, their biggest test is on the twelfth. Their biggest test is, or excuse me, the eighteenth. Their biggest test is on the eighteenth when they go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, that that's their biggest test. But 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 getting back to Russell Wilson, listen, let I don't know where that let Russ cook phrase came from. But wherever he got it from, they need to keep it going because Russell Wilson has been a complete unstoppable force for the Seattle Seahawks. And again, no disrespect to any other any of his teammates. The running the running his running backs, wide receivers, DK Metcalf, I know is a beast of stud coming out of Ole Miss. I understand all that. But the fact that Russell Wilson essentially and again Pete Carroll isn't exactly <clears throat> if you watch that game, uh and Pete Carroll is not exactly a Mike Holmgren. I mean, let's be fair. Let's be honest. I mean, and the fact that he essentially has to carry his team most of the time on his back by himself in order to in order to put the Seahawks in great position to win football games is absolutely remarkable. And nothing to take away from Patrick Mahomes is a phenomenal talent. But we have Travis Kelsey, the fastest receiver in football, and Tyree Kill, and and you got that Clyde Edwards-Alaire running back. Out of LSU, who's one who's one hell of a player, and Andy Reid, who was an offensive genius, genius. That's not exactly heavy lifting. Let's call it. Let's let's call it like we see it. So I like to see it. Not to mention, not the not to mention that AFC West division is is weak. The Raiders the Raiders are a pit of, are a poorly coached team. The Broncos have been injured to hell and back. The um, what other team I'm forgetting? The Chargers are okay. I mean, the biggest fight that the, the you know the Chargers are okay. But let's be fair. The Se- the Seahawks the Seahawks have have the have the previous two uh, NFC champions in their division, in the 49ers and the Rams. And that's the, and that's the, and that's the, and that's the hands down the best division in football. And he's and he's got the uh, Arizona Cardinals sitting there. You know, I mean, the previous two NFC champions to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and a young rookie in Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins as well, the boot, or uh, Derek Carr and John Gruden, who's still stuck in 2002, with Vic Vangio and uh, Mark Rippon's uh, nephew. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. Switching gears now. Uh, to the to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my goodness gracious, the Dallas Cowboys! What a pathetic, pathetic performance from the Dallas Cowboys. You let the Dallas Cowboys go up forty. What was the score? Forty nine, forty one to to fourteen. Are you kidding me? The Dallas Cowboys ought to be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Ashamed. Their defense could not. They did. Did their defense couldn't stop COVID. Their de, their defense is absolutely horrendous. Let me tell you something. My my former 2009 my 2019 varsity football team that I was on last year with Devin Thompson. Shout out to him up at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Ron the Diesel Clark, who's who's sitting there as is as going to be the primary running back. Uh, you know his senior year up at up at Curly, and then Julian Howard, the three-headed monster that my football team last year had at running back, which averaged about like two ninety three hundred rushing yards a game because all we do is run the football like it's circa nineteen uh, forty nineteen fifties football. You know, ground and pound, ground and pound until the defense just gets worn out. The, the they. And this and this ain't an insult to my guys. This is an insult to the Browns. Devin Diesel and Jules coulda coulda ran for over 300 yards rushing against against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. And I am not joking when I say that. I am I'm not using hyperbole. I am not joking. Devin, who's a who's a D1 running back. Jules, who's who's shifty and is quick as all hell. And then you got the Diesel Ronald Clark who. Who no one would want to tackle outside of a couple guys in practice, and practice in shorts. <laughs> yeah, go Oklahoma drills. You and Ron, let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah, you crazy? I can get in front of tackling them. 
It's about a couple guys that was really, that was willing to take Ron on. Other than that, anyone see me? This guy is a freaking anvil when he's running the football. Those three guys, my guys, shout out to all three of y'all. Y'all could have ran for 300 yards against that pathetic, disgusting, abysmal, awful Dallas Cowboy defense on Sunday. That was an, from a Dallas Cowboy perspective, that is an absolute disgrace. You cannot allow, you cannot allow under any circumstances the Cleveland Browns to run the football for 307 rushing yards. That averaging seven yards a play and and having 508 total yards of offense. That is unacceptable. That is pathetic. If you associate with yourself with the Dallas Cowboys in any way, shape, or form, you have to be in Embarrassed by that performance on Sunday. Embarrassed. That was pathetic. 307 rushing yards? I mean, you let Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns offense absolutely have their way with you all the other day. Running, running, running wide receiver, uh running wide receiver reverse passes uh you know uh Odell Odell running jet sweeps oh my goodness did they take y'all to task Jarvis Landy throwing a touchdown oh I mean what I mean what do y'all do in practice and film study you guys stink put a hit on somebody tackle somebody send a blitz do something I mean, the Cleveland, and I'm not taking any credit away from the, they've done a good job the last couple of games. They're 3-1, above 500 for the first time, I believe, since 2001. We give them credit for that. I picked Cleveland to go 9-7 and seven and make the playoffs. They're finally starting to become into that. With Baker Mayfield, it looks like the offense is finally clicking now. But my God, you cannot allow under any circumstances the Cleveland Browns to put up damn near 50 points on you, run for 307 rushing yards, and essentially make make their rushing attack like Jim Brown reincarnated. And again, not taking any way away from Cleveland, but my goodness gracious, you all are the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, there were people actually out there in the media that picked y'all to go to Super Bowl, and y'all put up a, a pathetic defensive performance like that, you guys should be embarrassed. Embarrassed. And with the Cowboys offensively, Dak Pre I don't I, 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 I don't understand Mike McCarthy. I really, really don't. Y'all cannot, when you're paying Ezekiel Elliott, who raised holy hell last offseason about getting paid, contract extensions, Whole nine yards when you're paying him an arm and a leg to be your running back. The, you know, and you know, and 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 the Dallas Cowboys have a historic history as far as great running backs: Emmett Smith, Tony Dorsett, Herschel Walker. Okay, Hall of Fame running backs, and you're Ezekiel Elliott getting paid all that money, and you give me 12 carries for 54 yards. Really, getting paid. The money that you raised hell to get, and you are only carrying the ball 12 times for 54 rushing yards. Are you kidding me? And I'm supposed to take y'all seriously as Super Bowl contenders. Seriously. Seriously. I, I said it after the Seattle game, and I'll say it again. You cannot expect to win football games when Zeke is getting less than 15 touches a game and Dak Prescott has to throw the ball 50, 58 times. You can't win with the way the Dallas Cowboys offense is built. You cannot win football games that way. You cannot. Especially when your defense is, us, is egregiously bad. Can't stop the run, falling for trick plays, gimmick plays. Your defense is pathetic, and you cannot allow Dak Prescott and expect to win game. I could kill out how many passing yards Dak Prescott throws in his four touchdown passes. That's 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 garbage time numbers. The Browns 
let down, let let their guard down the last uh, uh, three minutes and change in a ball game. That's garbage time numbers. That, those numbers don't count for anything except for fantasy. Nobody cares. You cannot expect to win football games with Dak Prescott throwing the ball 58 times and Ezekiel Elliott's stat line is 12 carries, 54 yards, and not even kissing the end zone. I understand that they got young, uh, that they got young good talent at wide receiver, but you're simply paying Zeke all that money. You got a, you got an excellent running back. You paid him. He ain't, he ain't a, uh, he ain't a decoration. You use him. Starting one and three, and they and they should be zero and four. They had no business winning that game against Atlanta, none whatsoever. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe what this is doing is exposing the flaws with Mike McCarthy that Aaron Rodgers masked, mask, masked. I can't even say the word masked all those years when he was the head coach of Green Bay. Maybe this is what it's doing. Maybe Mike McCarthy isn't as good as head coach as we thought he was. Because it looks like because it looks like right now all of his flaws were covered up by Aaron Rodgers' greatness and his phenomenal talent. But if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you allow the 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 Cleveland Browns to rush for 307 rushing yards, that is an absolute joke and a disgrace. That that is pathetic and horrendous. You cannot expect to win football games when your defense is that terrible. And Zeke is only getting twelve touches for fifty-four yards rushing. That ain't gonna cut it. It ain't gonna cut it. It's not gonna cut it. That's Dallas's situation. Moving over to and I'll get to the Bengals the last Sunday game after the break, of course. The two Monday night games, because Cam came down with COVID, news came out earlier this morning that Stephon Gilmore came down with COVID, and of course there was pictures floating all over the internet with uh, Gilmore dapping up my homes and everyone's losing their crap. Oh my God, Patrick Mahomes. What about Stephon Gilmore and his teammates? I mean, y'all act like, I swear to God, y'all worship Patrick Mahomes like he's the second coming. I swear, I swear to God. I mean, let's worry about Stephon Gilmore and his family and, and his teammates before we start protecting Patrick Mahomes like he's Mr. Golden Boy. My God. Anyway, Patriots and Chiefs. And I, t- and I tell you something, and I called into the Morning Men, I called into the Morning Men on SiriusXM Mad Dog uh, Sports Radio earlier this week. And I told them, and I told uh, Evan Cohen, who we've had on the show in the past, and Babchick, I told, I told him this. That has to be the worst. That has to be the worst performance played at the quarterback position by a New England Patriot in the first time in my lifetime. And that's not hyperbole saying that either. Being 18 years of age, that is has that is the worst quarterback performance by a Patriot that I have ever seen in my what. 12 13 14 years of of uh, of watching NFL football. That 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 was pathetic. Brian Hoyer throwing interceptions in a double coverage knowing that he can't take a sack when you're in field goal range with no timeouts left with less than 10 seconds to go in the second quarter and him not having the the uh, the awareness and and just the and just the common sense knowing that you, that yet that you can't take a sack in that situation when you got no timeouts if all the receivers are covered you either you know you either try to make a run for it or you chuck the ball into the upper deck. I mean, oh, it was it was it was so horrend- it was so terrible. Brian Hoare, fifteen for twenty four, one hundred and thirty passing yards and an interception. Like I like I previously mentioned, throwing the ball into double coverage. And then Jared Stidham came in and didn't and wasn't much better. Five for thirteen, sixty yards passing and two interceptions thrown. And then Julian Edelman let a ball. That hit him right, right on his hands. 
pop up in the air and into the arms of Tyron Matthew, take back for a pick six. I mean, and the, and I give the New England Patriots defense hella credit. They kept the Chiefs in that. This the halftime score was six three. They, they, the halftime score was six three, and it would have been tied six six if the aforementioned Hoyer knew not to take a sack when he had no timeouts left under ten seconds to go in under ten seconds to go in the quarter. And the Patriots, and I'll get to that blown call in a minute, which was an absolute joke. And then on top of the fact that the pay, that that the Patriots defense kept them in the game, kept them in the game as best and as long as they could. I mean, Patrick Mahomes should have should have thrown three interceptions in that game that that would drop. Should have thrown three interceptions that weren't because he would drop. So and it was funny. You know, I didn't hear any, it's funny, I didn't hear anyone, you know, and if you did, shame on you, because if, if you, if you watched that game and you thought that Patrick Mahomes put on a, a, another Patrick Mahomes all-time classic performance, you need your freaking head examined. Patrick Mahomes, 19 for 29, 236 passing yards, and, uh, and if, if the Patriots not have the, you know, whatever the reason was, and he his should have thrown three interceptions. Nineteen for twenty nine, two hundred and thirty six passing yards is nothing to write home about. I'm I am sorry. Especially considering that Patriot team had to fly into Kansas City the day of the game, and Kansas City was essentially sleepwalking through the first half, through the first three quarters of that game. And Patrick Mahomes should have threw for three interceptions, and he didn't because the Patriots secondary had dropsies all night. That, but that that was not a performance that you would want to put into the Patrick Mahomes all-time classic archives. If if you think that that was another all-time great, phenomenal Hall of Fame performance from Patrick Mahomes, you need your freaking head examined. If if you if you if you think that, you are absolutely nuts, nuts. If you if you think that was if you think that was another another one of those uh, wowers, you you are you are freaking crazy, freak you you are nuts, nuts. And the and the Patriots should have had more points than they did because Tony Carrente and his crew made one of the worst. I mean the I mean the decision to call Mahomes down on that play is just as bad and it's just as egregious when they called uh when they called that asinine and that bogus roughing the passer penalty in the eighteen championship game when the Pages defender essentially reached over and hit Tom Brady on the shoulder and they called him roughing the pa- and they called roughing the pass but I mean that that was just that I mean I, I mean, and of course that you know that call came after the Saints and Rams thing, but that's as egregious. That's an, as much as an egregious call by the refs as I've ever as I've ever seen in my freaking lifetime. Patrick Mahomes was literally sitting on the guy, his hand and arm not on the ground, and he clearly, clearly as clear as the as clear as the, the water in the Bahamas. That ball was out of his hands. It should have been ruled either an interception or a touchdown, and he and that would have been automatic six points Patriots. Why they whistled that dead? Why they ruled that a sack? I will never, ever understand. That was a horrendous call. Horrendous call. You can you cannot call that in that spot in that situation under any circumstances. You cannot because he was not down. And that was, and he was not down. And and even and if Bill Belichick's case, Bill Belichick thought that, uh, and Bill Belichick thought, that, you know, he was upset because they blew the play dead, not realizing they didn't even rule it an interception or a fumble to begin with. They call it a sack, which was a joke. And and they and they uh, and they should be, and he and, and he should. It should it should have been six points, and the and and it's 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 hard that I'm actually saying this, but the Patriots actually got jobbed by the officials. I understand the argument. Well, who are the Patriots fans to complain because they've been the benefit of of ref ball? 
you know, throughout their entire dynasty run, which is fair, which is fair. But I'm not a Patriot fan. I'm neutral. I'm not a Patriot fan. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I'm neutral. And me as a neutral party can sit up there, get on my soapbox and say, that was, that was a bullcrap call. I understand people don't want to hear Patriots fans complain. I'll buy it. I'll complain for you, Patriot fans. That that call, that call was a crock was a crock of was a crock of crap. I mean, it, it, it could not have been more clear that that was not a sack. It, it couldn't it couldn't have been more clear. Couldn't have been more clear. And again. The Patriot and he and even without Cam Newton, the Patriots prove that they that, that they can hang with the Chiefs. And to be honest, I think they're the only team in the AFC that can. They're not better than Baltimore, but they can hang with the Chiefs. The Ravens can't. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Weird weirdest thing in the world. And 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 again. And again. That call uh, that, that that affected the outcome of the game. If if the Patriots get a touchdown on get a touchdown which they should have, the entire outcome of the game is different. The entire entire outcome of the game is different. And if Cam Newton plays, Patriots might have won that game. And 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 it's and I'm not being uh, absurd for thinking that way either. And again, and and, and again, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Hey, hey, Brittany, get the hell off of social media. She had the audacity, the temerity, the chutzpah, the unmitigated gall to tweet when Jawan Bentley shoved Patrick Mahomes out of bounds and Patrick Mahomes channeled his inner LeBron James his inner Marcus Smart and flopped like a soccer player in the Barclays Premier League and flopped to drew the 15 yard penalty First of all, Mahomes should be ashamed of himself that he is willing to stoop that low to draw penalties and to get the refs involved in the game and to essentially act like a you-know-what to get penalties. Patrick, I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care what you say. Patrick Mahomes acted like a straight-up punk with, with that move. He, I'm looking at it right now. He did not shove him and push him that hard. And here he is sitting up here, flop, make sure he gets a perfect flop, perfect flop on the sideline draw the 15-yard penalty. That, that, that's, that's, that's horse crap. That, that, that's horse crap. And if I'm a Patriot player and I sit in the morning, man, I'll say it here. If I'm a Patriots player and I saw that, I'm making sure next time I'm getting after Mahomes and I'm knocking him on his ass. Because later in that game, he went out of bounds and a player shoved him. Like, hey, check yourself. Okay, this ain't basketball. This isn't soccer. This is football. Okay? Grow up, man up. Grow up here. You don't do that here. You don't do that. That's just that. You, there, there are some things within the confines of the game you just don't do. And flopping and flopping like a prima donna to get penalties, that, that wouldn't be okay with me. And it shouldn't be any, and it shouldn't have been okay with any of those players that were wearing the uh, Patriot uniform on Monday night, because that, because I tell you that that would have that would have pissed me off. Sitting up here flop, flopping like that to get the call. You don't you don't play the game that way. You do not, you do not play the game that way. You don't. I'm sorry, you don't. There are certain rules, and there are certain, and there's a certain decorum. That comes with playing the game of football, and you don't do that. You do not do that. I could give a damn about what his about what his stupid fiance says, who doesn't know a freaking who who doesn't know a damn thing about football. I'm not interested. You don't do that. 
You do not do that. Simply are tweeting, get him out of the game right now. Brittany, go to hell. Will you please shut up? Get the hell off of Twitter and go to hell. Please. Get him out the game. It wasn't even that violent of a damn penalty. What the hell are you talking about? Get him out of the game right now. Shut up. Will you please shut the hell up? Please. How about you? How about you tell you? How about you tell your your Kermit the Frog sounding having ass fiance to take some damn acting lessons? Boy, did that piss me off. Sitting here flopping to get the penalty. You don't play the game that way. Come out, get him out of the game right now. Shut the hell up. Get off of social media and watch the damn game. Don't need your freaking commentary. You are Tony Romo. Give me a break. And I guarantee you, I'd sit up here and ask her right now some 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 trivia questions. History of the Kansas City Chiefs franchise. She wouldn't know. She wouldn't know Hank Stram from Vince Lombardi or Bud Grant, and that is fact. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. Get the hell off. Of, no, first of all, no one gives a damn what you think about it anyway. I know you think that you're on your little soapbox and you think people care. You don't, okay, please. If people care that much what you think, ESPN and FNO would have hired you a long time ago. So please. Okay, you sit here walking around think, thinking, you're, thinking you're hot, thinking you're all that in a bag of Doritos. You're not. Shut up. You're wrong. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. That flop, that flop was Bush League, and you don't know a damn thing about football if you think he should have been thrown out for that. You don't know a damn thing about football. Not a damn thing. God, that, 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 that bothers me. Please. You simply want to get up on your little high horse, get up your little soapbox. When you do that, make sure you know what the hell you're talking about. I don't, and I don't see. And before y'all sit up here and get on me, well, he attacking women, bullcrap. Okay, I, you don't, you don't see Giselle do this. You don't see when Aaron Rodgers date Danny Patrick. You don't hear her do this. You don't hear Ben Roethlisberger's wife. You never heard Peyton Manning's wife open say anything. Why do you think that is? Because maybe they have a certain decorum and they have a, 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 a sense of maturity realizing that no one gives it no one gives a damn about you getting up in a little stupid Twitter soapbox and, and live tweeting during the games like you're Adam Schefter. Nobody cares. Okay? Keep your ass out of the damn game. If you want to sit back and support Mahomes, sit back and support Mahomes and keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. I don't see any, I don't see any of the other of the, uh, any of the other NFL players' wives doing this. Didn't see it with Manning. Don't see it with Brady. Didn't see it. With, I, I don't see anyone else doing it. She's she mysteriously is always is always chirping, open up her opening up her big fat mouth, saying something. Brittany, shut up. And and then that was and that was BS. What Mahomes did, absolute BS. Because he's just a, because if he does, let me tell you something. He does that. He does that circa 1970, 1980. His, his, he's getting he's getting knocked on his ass the next play. And that is fact. Last thing before I get to a break. Dan Quinn needs to go. Okay, the Falcons dropped the 0-4, choking. Dan Quinn needs to go. Should have been gone after twenty-eight to three. Should have been gone after last year. Should have been gone after the after the choke job he did against Dallas. The Pandora's box is open now that Bill O'Brien is gone, uh, which again for that's long overdue too. Bill O'Brien's gone. Dan Quinn needs to be next, and so, and so does and so does Matt Patricia, with the Lions blowing another ten-point lead, essentially getting up there and having the chutzpah. And and honestly, having the arrogance to sit up here and say, "Well, this wasn't a winning culture." Yet the coach that they fired to hire you had the Lions in the playoffs and were competitive, and he went nine and seven. You've won nine nine games total in your three years as head coach, three seasons as head coach of of the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia, I, let me tell you, Matt Patricia, and and Brittany, 
Quit being so damn arrogant. You don't know every damn thing. Take a swallow that piece of humble pie. Shut the hell up and get the hell and get the hell out of my feed. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Telling the TIS podcast. Switching gears to my Cincinnati Bengals, who finally, 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 thank the good Lord, our first win didn't didn't wait until what November, December, whenever the hell we got our first win last year. We actually got our first win in the second month of the season. Can y'all believe that? The Bengals won the fir- when our first we we won guys we won, thirty three twenty five, could not be more thrilled could not be more happier. Joe Burrow, uh, what 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 an absolute beast and what an absolute stud he is. Twenty five for thirty six three hundred yards passing, uh, an interception. It really wasn't even his fault. Uh, sample, you know, got you know, essentially let the defender cover him. Take the football right out of his arms, so it wouldn't really wasn't even his fault. It should have been a touchdown pass, and he also threw a touchdown pass in that game as well. I mean, my good and Joe Burrow, first rookie in NFL history. Um, and you know, and you wouldn't have heard this, you know, the would do the media waxing poetic on Patrick. I mean, you, I swear, the uh, the recency bias and the uh, and the and and the and the fact the media essentially, you know. Waxes poetic about Patrick Mahomes, like like he cured coronavirus, is is that is uh is something to behold. I tell you, I mean that effect. They just go on and on and on, like like he is uh like he is uh like he's uh the second coming. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean if I mean if this was Patrick Mahomes doing it, you you couldn't you couldn't escape from it. But uh, but his name isn't Patrick Mahomes. His name is Joseph Burrow, and Joseph Burrow became the first rookie in NFL history to pass for 300 yards in three straight games as the Cincinnati Bengals improve on the season to one, two, and one, capturing their first win of the season. And and I and I told y'all that it was very important that they got this win because uh, they are going to play the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, and I, you know, listen, anything can happen any given Sunday. That's why you play the games. But I'd be a fool to think that, uh, but I'd be a fool to think that the Bengals are going to play the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and beat them like they did circa 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014, where the Bengals would just, and AJ Green in particular, would just take it to the Ravens on a year in, year out basis. That is not the case. The Bengals got to get, Back into uh, playoff contending format in order for us to give the in order for us to start giving the uh, Ravens fits again like we used to do. But uh, it was very important that we got that win against the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Joe Mixon, who uh, who for the first three games of the season has been uh, quiet as a church mouse all year, finally broke out and had his coming out party with that huge contract that he signed before the season started. 25 carries for 151 yards on the ground and two touchdown uh, rushes. And I believe he also caught a – did he catch a touchdown pass in that game? Yes, he did. Uh, receiving, he was six receptions, 30 yards, and caught a touchdown pass as well. Um, so me, being a being a diehard Bengals fan, 
Joe Mixon fan and having Joe Mixon on my fantasy team, I was flying on Sunday. Joe Mixon got me what forty something fantasy points on uh, on Sunday. I care more about the, what he does as far as helping my Bengals win football games. But the fact that I had him on my fantasy team and he helped me out fantasy wise, I will appreciate that just as much as I appreciate him uh, being the leading cause of the Bengals winning their first game of the season. With fans in the sta- in the stadium, by the way, too. First game with fans in the stands. We didn't have fans in our week one loss against uh, Los Angeles. But the Bengals, what a, f- what a phenomenal job. Joe Mixon finally showed up and showed out like the, uh, like the top five running back in the game that I know he is. Uh, offensive line was absolutely phenomenal. Joe Burrow got hit. 18 times, got sacked eight times against Philadelphia last week. He only got sacked once on Sunday, if you can believe that. Now, it might now it might be all smoke and mirrors when they go up against Calais Campbell and the Ravens' defensive front on Sunday. But if they, but if the Bengals' offense line can somehow, some way neutralize, um, can neutralize uh, the Ravens' pass rush. And only and Joe Burrow only gets sacked about maybe twice, three times. Only gets hit about five times in the game. That will be a tremendous, tremendous improvement. Um, offensive line play. It's funny. I guess they must have listened to the rant that I did last week, killing the offensive line and saying if you don't protect them, you don't invest in them, you're gonna ruin. I guess they must. I guess Coach Taylor must have heard it and played it as motivation for the team. Because that, because for the most part, that was an entirely different Cincinnati Bengals team that I've been accustomed to watching the last uh, previous couple weeks of the season. Offensive line massively improved. The defense was consistently better against uh, in, uh, against against uh, Jacksonville than they were against Philadelphia. Getting at it, getting that interception on the Jaguars' opening possession. Um, what an absolute uh, ball of performance from the from my Cincinnati Bengals. Who uh, who did what they had to do, and that's to get the win at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before I get to a break, let me read you their schedule because I was looking. I said the Bengals, honestly, their Bengals could finish six nine and one if they lose every, even if they lose every game, even if they lose the next four games coming into their bye week, or if or next five, if you include losing to Pittsburgh, because they play the they play Washington, the Giants. The Dolphins and the Cowboys, all in a row from weeks 11 to week 14, from November 22nd to Sunday, December 13th. And the Bengals could easily, easily get one, two, three, four wins in a row. And and, and, and you put add the, that's five wins right there. So this team. At the minimum is going. I, I and I am and I have full-fledged confidence in saying that. At the worst, this team goes what five nine and one. At the worst, best case scenario they get seven wins. Worst worst case scenario they get worst case scenario they go five nine and one. But I, again, the Giants stink. The Dolphins stink. Uh, Dallas and I have full-fledged confidence that we that we could uh, that we that we could beat Dallas. Simply, I mean, when when their offense when their defense gives up 307 yards rushing, I mean it, it's, it's not even a comp, it's not even going to be a competition. Joe Mix Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow will have an absolute field day unless Dallas Cowboys change things around between now and December 13th. The Bengals offense will have an absolute field day. And that game has that game has like 45 to has that game has 45 to 30, 45 to 28 Bengals written all over it, all over it too. And the Bengals are at home, which would be a plus as well. Um, and then of course the uh, Washington they stink. Um, their offense, the bench, Dwayne Haskins for the Kyle Allen kid, they stink. Uh, the the Giants are the Giants are terrible. The Dolphins are terrible. So the Bengals it looks like they even if they even if they uh, fall into a rut in for the rest of October early November come the last uh, come the last um, Sunday before Thanksgiving if we're still playing football Lord willing we will be uh, the Bengals can put together a nice little four game win streak in the last uh, quarter or so of the season take a break get to some, get to, excuse me get to some other things. As far as uh, the NBA uh, finals are concerned, but first, 
Major League Baseball playoffs, ALDS, NLDS, giving my thoughts on the four uh, series going on around the United States of America. Coming up, this is the Amatella Cotillas podcast. No, don't go anywhere. These boys are my sons like Phoenix. My city and state never ever seen this. Jimmy Neutron, I'm a young boy genius. On a full time, I'm a give it that bad. When it's done, I'm a fill up arenas. Ooh, like Gilbert Arenas. Shoot my shot, I'm still with the demons. Ooh, I keep it thorough. I got five chicks in New York, that means one in each borough. I'm in the pocket like Pearl. When I'm back home, now they treat me like Robert De Niro. Took her to talk about butter and churl. Took her home, gave her a cinnamon swirl. I left it in, now I got a one euro. Zeros on zeros on zeros. That's what my bank account balance say. I got a check from a shoe company, now I do anything in New Balance. I bought her a plane to get out of state. I got me a shorty from runaway. Said I'm in town today. She said she coming over and she down to stay. I got a hit. She been playing this. Sh- so when she pull up on me, I know what she about to say. What's poppin'? Brand new whip just hopped in. I got options. I can pass it. poppin'? Welcome back to the Amatelic TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball as we are a couple days in to the 2020 American League and National League Division Series. First off, before I get to the games, I don't like the idea that, you know, these teams got to play in other teams' parks, especially when the other teams' parks are home of teams that are in the postseason. I understand with the bubble thing. It's just a tacky look seeing the Marlins and the Braves play in Houston when Houston's in the playoffs and then watching Houston and the A's play in Dodger Stadium when the Dodgers are in the playoffs. It just, yeah, it's just. It, it just it does not look right to me. Like the A's and Marlins should be the Marlins and Braves should be playing in Atlanta and playing in Miami. The the Astros and A's should be playing in the Coliseum and at Minute Maid. And the Dodgers and Padres should be playing at Dodger Stadium and in Petco. And the Yankees playing in Petco while the Padres are playing the. Yeah, I, I hate it. I, I just, just I, I don't like it. I, it looks taggy. It just looks out of place. I understand why they did it. I just, I just don't care for it. But anyway, getting to the games. Um, last time I talked to you guys was on the weekend, so we've only this is the third day of the playoffs. Um, first day, the Astros beat the A's ten five or take a one to nothing series lead. Yankees went crazy with the bats. Uh, Stanton. Judge, everybody went crazy. Hitting everyone went crazy on the New York Yankees. Uh, you had uh, Stan hit a homer, Frazier hit a homer, Judge hit a homer. I mean, Yankees bats went crazy in Game One, winning the winning the game and beating the Rays nine three. Tuesday night, last night, Braves beat the Braves bats came alive in their game as well. Marlins had a lead until they choked it in the middle innings. Uh, in in the middle innings when. Uh, let me see if I get this guy's name right. When, uh, well, actually, it was Alan, I can't pronounce his name. Alasantra, who was in the game up until the sixth inning, gave up uh, five, gave up five runs on five hits and walked the batter. He, he struck out eight, but he gave up the five runs, which choked away Miami's lead. And it looks like that they might be losing a little bit of that uh, that good momentum that they had after beating Chicago heading into this series because they are now losing right now uh, by at the top of the sixth inning uh two nothing against atlanta uh houston's up against oakland two to one at the end of the first inning the yankees and the dodgers respective series are the night games um but anyway uh the braves beat the marlins nine to five yesterday uh, ronald acuna jr uh had a had a huge game uh, with a, uh, he homered in that game last night, didn't he? Yes, he did hit hit a home run in the game. Travis Darno and uh, Dansby Swanson homered in the game as well. Acuna Jr. went two for four, went two for four. Um, and then, of course, uh, pitching-wise, he had uh, Freed. He had uh, Freed was the starting pitcher, went four innings, gave up six, hits four runs, and then it was a bullpen game on from there. Bullpen was immaculate, except for Martin, who came in and gave up a run uh, in the eighth inning of that ball game. Um, and then, of course, last night, the uh, I didn't see the ending of uh, Dodgers and Padres. The game starts 9:30 at night, way too late after I after the NBA Finals game ended, barely just after mid, just before midnight. I, I can't do it. Uh, when I got to do online school and get enough sleep, so I'm in uh, tip-top shape to record these podcast episodes for you guys. But the Dodgers beat the Padres five to one. 
Um, let's let's see. Uh, Walker Bueller went four innings, gave up two hits, one run, struck out eight, walked the ballpark, walked uh, four batters in the game, which you don't like. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tingler was ejected early in the game for arguing balls and strikes. Um, on the San Diego side, Clevenger, they went the bullpen game the entire game, which didn't look like it was the way to go because the Dodgers uh, hit, hit the Padres' bullpen all over the ballpark. Um, as the Padres lost game one by the final score of 5-1 to one last night. Then the Yankee game, uh, and then the Yankee game, Tyler Glass now, the uh, Rays' young starting pitcher came in. Five innings, three hits, three runs, struck out ten, walked three guys, which you don't like. Um, and then, of course, hitting-wise, you had Mike Zeno, Mike Zanino, and then you had the Ozar, what's this, what's this guy's name? This Ozarania, whatever his name is. Uh, homering in the game as well, um, and then of course the Yankees Stanton homered. What else is new? Judge couldn't come through when they had runners on. When they had runners on uh, late uh, in the ninth inning, when um, when Lemayhew got a got an RBI a base hit to make it a, a set to make it a seven five game, and Stanton couldn't get the job done late. Uh, Yankees uh, that series is tied uh, seven. Excuse me, that series is tied at one game apiece. Raise up seven five uh, in that ball game last night on the New York Yankees. Uh, as of today, of course, I gave you what's happened with the scores today. You got uh, and you have you only have one elimination game today, and that's the Astros and the A's. Astros got a cause. They're playing motivated. They're playing pissed off because, of course, the fight with the A's and then Fires, who's on the A's, was the whistleblower with the whole Astros fiasco and everything else. And I can't imagine playing in the same stadium where they won their tainted, cheated World Series in 2017. It has a lot to do with it, too. So the only elimination game on the docket today, on Wednesday, October the 7th, is uh, Astros and A's, and that game is tied 2-2 at the top of the uh, at the top of the seventh inning. Marlins and Braves, Braves up to nothing, middle of the sixth inning. Yankees and Rays are, and the Padres and the Dodgers are the nightcaps. And I and I'm pretty sure this series, the uh, the divisional series, will be just about over, and we can look ahead to the ALCSs and the NLCSs come Saturday's episode. Take a break. NBA Finals on the docket back right after this. Drinks on me. Let me see what you're twerking with. Said, look at those hips. Know you make me smile. Go ahead, child. Go ahead, be gone with it. 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 Welcome back to the I'm Like a TIS podcast with your boy Jai Shields. Switching gears now from the gridiron to the baseball diamond to the hardwood, which is where we will end our program today um, with the NBA Finals. And I made the prediction that um, next time that I talk to you guys, the uh, Cle- the Cleveland Cavaliers, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers would be crowned 2020 NBA champions. But if I would have known that the Miami Heat, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Lakers would have taken an off night that night, and uh, Anthony Davis wasn't going to be a factor, putting up 15 points and allowing uh, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James also, he doesn't get a pass here as well, allowing Jimmy Butler to go crazy uh, with a 40-plus point performance in that game. I'll read you his stats right here. Um, it's putting up 40 points, 13, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Uh, and two steals and two blocks to boot. 
If I would have known that, I wouldn't have made that asinine prediction last week. Uh, as the Miami Heat, you know, Lake, it's how all these NBA series go. You know, the team that's up takes an off night, sleep at the wheel. Uh, the team that's down has a cause. You know, they got to fight to keep the series alive, got to fight for their dignity, their pride, and everything else. They go crazy. Uh, Heat beat the Lakers 115 to 104. Um, and that game, and that game was not that bit. And that game did not do well in the ratings going up against the uh, Eagles and 49ers on Sunday night. And then last night on Tuesday, Lakers 102 to 96. Jimmy Butler, they calmed him down, putting up only 22 points in the game. Anthony Davis, hell of a performance, 22 points. LeBron James, 28 points. Um, and then of course you had uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, uh, no, excuse me. Jimmy Butler put up 22 points. Tyler Hero, the young kid, what a talent he is. He put up 21 points. This is an experience that he will never forget for the rest of his life. As the Heat take a three games to one lead, heading into game five to get the extra off day. Game five is on Friday. If you have a game six, that will be on Sunday. And that game six will go up against uh, Vikings and Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. And if we have a game seven, that game will be, they're not going to put that, they're not going to put that on Monday night against the uh, when LA has a team playing on Monday night in the Chargers going up against the Saints, and we have a game seven, that game will will be uh, next Tuesday. That game will be next Tuesday if we have a game seven on uh, on October the thirteenth. But I don't think this. I would be floored if this goes. I'll I'll be floored if this game if if we get a game six on Sunday night, game five on uh, game five on Friday. It's there for the taking. LeBron's motivated. LeBron's saying just we're not done. There's still work that has to be done. They're one game, one win away from winning from winning the championship. It's all business. Miami Heat, they've proven at least in game at least in game uh, three, they've proven that they can hang with the Heat if all things break right for them. But the chances that they're gonna you know that the chances that they're essentially are going to hand the Lakers four straight, or excuse me, uh, no, yeah, three straight losses in a row is, uh, is, uh, it's not, it's not likely, and it's not, uh, most, and it's not going to happen most likely, and, uh, it's just, you know, when, when, everything, everything's point, it's pointing the Lakers way, LeBron, he's won in Cleveland, he's won in Miami, him to beat his old team, and of course, you have the Kobe scenario with Col- with Kobe dying and everything. It, it's 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 almost as if like, all right, one more game, Lakers win it, NBA season. We'll see uh, 2021 whenever they start the 2021 NBA season. It's just you know, it's it's what it is. I mean, the Heat have nothing to be ashamed of. If you would have told me that the Miami Heat would have won would win the Eastern Conference, I would have told you you're crazy. Uh, you know, with Jimmy Butler and essentially just shocking the world with the Tyler Hero kid and everything else, who's only a, who's only two years older than I am, which is odd, which is pretty freaking odd to believe. You know, he was you know he was six, he was a sophomore in high school when uh, when LeBron led the Cavs back down three one against the Warriors. Now and now look at him, he's twenty years old, grown man. Hell of a girlfriend too, by the way. Playing in the, albeit no fans in the bubble, but playing in the NBA Finals, going up against LeBron James. I mean, it's pretty freaking crazy when you sit down and you really think about it. But the Heat have nothing to be ashamed of. They've been a phenomenal. They've had a phenomenal season, uh, exceeded expectations. I know they want. You know, they're not. Their job isn't finished until they're hoisting up the Larry O'Brien Trophy on next Tuesday night either. But I mean. But I mean, hey, I mean, it, it, it's, it's. I hate using this phrase in sports because you gotta play the games, and no champion is the term, and no, there's no, you know, the championship isn't given prior to the season or prior to the series starts. It's earned. But and I hate using this phrase, but it's almost as if like you know, this series, this championship is just meant for the Lakers to win. I just feel, I just feel, LeBron James, Anthony Davis have played phenomenal. I mean, for the most part, it just it just feels like that. It's just meant for the Lakers to win. And by the time I'm talking to you guys on on uh, come Saturday, I think that we will have an NBA uh, fi- we will have an NBA champion crowned, and it will be the Los Angeles Lakers for the 17th time in their history. But that's the end of our show. We end on that note. 
If you're new to the program, be sure to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatelit underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T I is. It's your boy Jai Shield. Stay safe out there. If you haven't already, get registered to vote before it's too late. Be sure to vote in this election. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you this weekend. See you.